Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Confer Culture brought to you by Timotheries, the podcast where we talk about the topics that many of us are passionate about. I'm your host Chris Murphy and this week uh, we'll be discussing uh, one of my all-time favorite horror franchises, Friday the 13th. Uh, just a bit of a note before I get going, I apologize uh, for the lack of episodes the last couple weeks. I've been quite uh, busy with my kids and stuff, so I just I have not had time to record something. So yeah, uh, that's basically why. No particular reason. I'm doing fine, not sick or anything, just thought I'd kind of get that out of the way. So with that kind of housekeeping out of the way, let's just kind of dive right in. I absolutely adore this franchise. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it. Well, first of all, you kind of have to be into horror, but if you're not, then this, you know, this episode's not really going to do anything for you, is it? But I know a, a lot of these entries are critically panned, and I know a lot of people don't like the formula or they prefer other horror franchises like. Halloween, for example, they prefer Michael Myers. I know my ex, um, she's a huge Halloween fan. I think she prefers Michael Myers, but even more so prefers Freddy Krueger. And I I know a lot of people prefer Freddy Krueger because of his uh, quippiness, his one-liners. The fact that he is, he's a little bit more terrifying, I guess, uh, than Jason because Jason, you can run away from. He tends to keep to Crystal Lake uh, outside of a couple fran- uh, entries in the franchise like Part 9 and uh, Jason X, of course, where he famously goes into space. <laughs> and, of course, Freddy vs. Jason, where he uh, goes to Elm Street. So, But for the most part, he keeps to Crystal Lake. So if you avoid that campsite, you're not going to ever come across him. So there's a whole swath of people across the country. Now, I know Freddy usually sticks to Elm Street, but he can get you... In- in your dreams if you get in a car you can get in a car and drive away from jason you can't keep stay awake forever he'll eventually get you um now i know they've had various plot devices to work around that in the films but uh suffice to say a lot of people find that far more terrifying than than uh, a regular killer though i'll get to why later that why i like him better so there are 12 movies in the Friday the 13th franchise, uh, if you count Freddy vs. Jason. I know you could make a case that's more of a Freddy-focused movie. He's the driving force. He's more of what the plot is centered around. He is the antagonist, to be sure. Freddy's, Jason sort of seems like he's along for the ride a little bit, but I count it because he's in it, and Crystal Lake is there, and I'm. it's my podcast, so I can count it if I want to. And it keeps it like a uh, sorry, and it keeps it at a nice twelve, a uh, nice even twelve movies because I like even numbers. <laughs> so the first one came out in nineteen eighty, uh, and the last one came out in two thousand nine, and that was a remake. So few things about it: uh, Tom Savini, a much renowned makeup artist in Hollywood, he did makeup effects for. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. He was in Dawn of the Dead as well. He played a biker. He also did makeup effects for a movie called The Prowler, as well as many other horror movies. He's just, if you look up his IMDb page, you can find a whole bunch of stuff on him. But he's one of my favorite makeup artists going because he is very, very talented and he's very good at his craft. Uh, Watched The Prowler actually recently. 
and the kills in it are really really good in fact they're better than a lot of the ones in uh, the friday the 13th movies even i know blasphemy but the movie itself is kind of terrible and doesn't really make any sense even more so than a lot of other slashers but the kills in it are very graphic and intense and uh, you can really like it lingers a long time on them which is not something you see a lot except you know the torture porn today but uh, fun fact the mpaa started cracking down on graphic violence and you can see that as the movies progress uh, where they do quick cutaways from a lot of the deaths especially in part six and then it comes back around in the later sequels where they kind of linger on stuff a little bit more so uh in addition to that most of the time jason is just played by a random stunt guy with the exception of kane hodder kane hodder played jason four times in parts seven eight nine and jason x he did not play uh, jason in the remake uh Derek Mears played him and he did not play him in the Freddy vs. Jason uh, because they so they had a tall person a big person but Kane Hodder is quite muscular and so he's much wider and they were worried that Freddy would look way too like Robert Englund would who plays Freddy Krueger would look much too small next to him so they actually recasted him for that part which a lot of fans didn't like and i'm not a i mean the person who played him was fine uh he was menacing i thought actually in freddy versus jason because new line made the movie and new line came up with freddy and they own him they didn't come up with west craven did but they it's like the whole king kong versus godzilla thing where the owners of one franchise thinks king kong should win and the other owner of the other ones thinks uh godzilla should win and the same was kind of true here even though new line had bought jason and you know it was a cool idea for a movie freddy got way too much offense in i feel like jason kind of got shortchanged a bit and there wasn't a clear winner which again like it's it's a tough thing to do because they needed to walk that line they don't want to ruin freddy or jason because they wanted to do sequels and make more money so uh, yeah, I didn't begrudge them that. It's an entertaining movie. It's just I had some problems with it. Like, for example, um, one of the main characters calls Freddy a derogatory term for a gay person. That begins with F that I won't repeat on this podcast. But there's a whole... I'm going to get into this in a whole separate episode at some point where I deal with like movies or TV shows that were fine for the time but have become problematic in the years moving forward. And you know, how you can kind of separate your liking for that from the prob problematic nature of some of it. So that'll be an interesting topic for later on. But um, that's kind of a little sidetrack point, uh, kind of getting back to it. Actors that got their start in the franchise, and this is kind of interesting. It's very common that a lot of mainstream actors get their start in horror franchises like Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger were in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, I think. Jennifer Aniston was famously in the first Leprechaun movie. Those are just two, like three examples that I can... Oh, Jason Alexander was in The Burning, or Cropsy, as it was called in some places. But 
he had hair then it was so weird looking <laughs> but that's one of the first films he did and friday the third and of course famously of course johnny depp in the first nightmare on elm street and this uh, franchise is no different we got crispin glover who was famously um uh, murder mcfly's dad on in back to the future you got kevin bacon of course who is a very colorful imdb page and has also been in other horror movies like tremors for example and i'll be talking about that in a future podcast as well when i just maybe i'll do like a an overall horror one and cite some examples for that but i i think i'm gonna do uh, one like that as well because of the time of year it is and halloween's one of my favorite times of year and of course as well Corey feldman's the other one that i can readily think of he did uh lost boys and not a ton else uh stand by me yeah stand by me so you know he's he's been in a few things of course his career has since cooled but still those are three of the bigger names that I, and i'm sure i'm leaving something off and somebody's gonna <laughs> let me know that but uh, those are the three that just popped into my head speaking of the i'm gonna sort of delve in a little bit into the 2009 remake for a second um, it's surprisingly solid i know it was critically panned and a lot of people thought it was underwhelming but i having just so everybody knows i've actually watched all 12 movies in less than a week Compared to a lot of the entries in the franchise, this one's actually pretty good. They jam parts one to three basically into the first half an hour. So you don't have to wade through his mom being the killer and then him having a potato sack on his head and then finding the mask. That kind of all happens relatively early in the film and then you get into how this one's going to be different. Even though... It's like not that much different from a, the formula is not that much different from a regular entry. It's just Jason is, is not supernatural in this one, but he's sort of smart. Like he sets traps and he leaves people out as bait and like things like that, which I thought was an interesting twist. Also, he, the main character, so the two main characters, the survival people, spoiler at the end, it's 2009 movie. It's. 11 years old i mean i think i've reached the statute of limitations in this one but uh jared padalecki from supernatural which is another reason why i like this film because that show is excellent he plays the one of the main characters and amanda rigetti from the mentalist who i also liked on that show who's a, a pretty decent actress and the acting in this actually is what kind of elevates it a little bit because some of the acting in some of the franchise is horribly horribly awful it's really, really bad. You can... I, I've sat there many a time and stared at the TV and and said, acting, you are not good at it. <laughs> to lots and lots of actors in the series. And they're pretty good at it. And their supporting cast is pretty decent. It has the blonde guy from Party Down in it, which is a nice little, uh, you know, nice little bonus. And most of the actors are at the very least competent to, you know, pretty decent. The kills are good. Uh, Jason takes Amanda Rigetti's character hostage because she looks like his mom, essentially. And um, he locks you know, locks her up, and that's kind of the plot because Jared Padalecki's character is trying to find her. And he ends up going to the property and talking to different people. It's like an interesting little story that way. And the climax is good, and 
Even though it's kind of a fake out ending because I feel like they want to do sequels. And I'll get to why they're not in a few minutes. But it's, like I said, it's a solid little entry. I, I'm going to get into where I rank them later. But I know a lot of people didn't like it. But it's a hell of a lot better than the 2012 remake of the Friday the 13th, not Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, I should say. It's a hell of a lot better than that. And there's a lot to like in there. So over the course of the franchise, too, there's lots of Easter eggs. And this is another reason why I really love this franchise. There's tons of Easter eggs. And I've only noted down four because they're the only four that I could think of off the top of my head. Even though, like I said, I've watched all 12. But there's consistently characters named Michael uh, in reference to Michael Myers. Uh, in part six, there's a, di a diner car called Karloff's Diner. Uh, Boris Karloff, of course, he's a very famous horror actor in um, the 30s, I want to say, and he played Frankenstein. Uh, in part nine, they're laying in Jason's old house, uh, just kind of on a, I don't know if it was like on a mantle or something, or just kind of a table, is the Necronomicon from the Evil Dead series. And as soon as I saw it, I knew what it looked like, uh, what it was, I should say. And it's got all the pay like it is the prop, and that was them. It was intended to be Easter egg, but I know at some point there was supposed to be a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash as a sequel to Freddy versus Jason, and I've seen the script and like read sort of done it like a quick one once over, and it looks like it would have been pretty cool, but New Line felt that the Ash character wasn't widely enough known i think is the reason why it didn't end up doing it and then also too like uh, i believe army of darkness that whole franchise is owned by somebody different and then they'd have to get like permission to use it and all that kind of stuff so there's a whole litany of reasons why that never happened but it's unfortunate because it would have been really entertaining and i love army of darkness and i love freddy and i love jason so it would have been i think it would have been really cool and the script kind of made a like a sensical way of, of having it all come together and i thought it would have been pretty neat and last but not least the last easter egg that i remember in part nine there is a supply crate with antarctic expedition written on it and there's the name carpenter on it and that is an ode that is an easter egg for the thing from 1980 and i thought that was really cool too and i'm sure there's been tons and tons more that you could pick up on as you're watching it and i know i did i just can't remember them off the top of my head because it's like a lot of movies to process but yeah i just i, I really really appreciated that uh, I, I appreciate those those little things and and i appreciate how some of the series gets meta as it goes along and it's pretty cool like that so jason isn't in his iconic look until midway through part three so he's not even the killer in part one he is in a potato sack with one hole cut out for one eye in part two, which I hate that look, but the kills, like, the, the movie's actually pretty decent. And then in part, like, halfway through part three, so the end of part two, he gets a, he gets uh, macheted by the main character. She fools him into believing that she's his mom. Like, she puts on his, her old sweater and, you know, gets him to get on his knees, stuff like that. And then it almost works. And then she almost dies, and then one guy who you think is dead, because this happens all the time in Friday the 13th, he comes back and, and distracts Jason, and then she, you know, 
buries a machete in him. So, and he loses, they take off the potato sack so they can see his face. Um, which is revealed later on in a fake out ending, of course. Because of course there is, because they're going to do more movies. He was, so he was unmasked for a good portion. They just never showed it, of course. They just, he was in the dark while he was killing people. And then one of the counselors brings one of the kids, one of the teenagers, they, they, they bring all these props and, and they scare people. And the first time I ever saw this character was, I kind of thought I had sympathy for them, him, but watching, and this ties back into problematic things. Uh, but this, this time around when I see him and he's trying to get with this girl and she turns him down, he's like, Oh, what a bitch. Like basically feels like he's owed something. And I'm like, gee, I really hope he dies. And well, wait a minute. He does. So he's a bit of a, he's a bit of an ass. And so Jason kills him and takes uh, this the hockey mask that he has with him that he used to scare this person because she turned him down and he's an asshole. So he kills him, takes his mask, and then from that point on he has a he has that hockey mask, which people refer to him like, oh, you know, do you play hockey or whatever? And every time I every time they make that reference, especially in the later films, I'm like <laughs> You do realize that goaltenders didn't wear that mask like past the early 80s, right? Like the the ones in the 80s fine, but once they get into the 2000 and especially in Jason X, oh that's a hockey mask. A hockey mask that they wore for a very small amount of time. <laughs> and then they did the full cage, maybe not a small amount of time. They started doing it in like maybe the 50s or 60s and then it carried on to the 70s until and then eventually 80s until they developed the full cages but every time they make that reference and in the 2009 remake it's like hey you want to play hockey i'm like you're a millennial you should think that goaltenders don't wear that unless you know hockey and the history of it you wouldn't think that was a hockey mask but that's a very small quibble and it's friday the 13th i shouldn't overthink it but it's very iconic look of course but I find it interesting that he doesn't get that until, of course, part partway through part three. And also the interesting thing about that, too, is at the end of part three, he gets an axe to his head and it makes a crack in the hockey mask. And that is the only piece of continuity to, through the rest of the films. It always has that crack in the in the top right corner. Does it in part nine? It might because part nine was weird. But anyway, and, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Jason also, even though like he's a regular guy, he's a regular person who just happens to be like super tough and really big and really strong until part six and um, where he comes back from the dead and ends up an undead killing machine, which is my favorite version of him because he's an unstoppable, unremorseful, can't be reasoned with killing machine, much like Terminator in the first Terminator, which is a horror movie. I'm sorry if you don't agree with that, but it is. But, you know, that's, like I said, that's my favorite version of him. And he's just unstoppable from that point forward. You just can't put him down, which is awesome. And they try and get around that for the endings a couple times. Seven recreates the ending to six, sort of. So, you know, and then the ending to part eight is dumb. <laughs> but I'll get that when I talk about my favorite and go through all of them. Uh, I'm going to spend a little bit, amount, little bit of time on each. So another interesting thing about this franchise is that there are two movies 
in the franchise with the word final in the title. That's part four, the final chapter, and part nine, the final Friday. And neither were the final entry in the franchise. Part four, it was it's so it's sort of a funny story. And I've been watching this YouTube channel. I think it's Red Letter Media, and they had these this sec. They have this video on there. Uh, re colon view so review and they did two videos on the friday 13th movies and this is where i got this from and i highly recommend you watch that because it's it's very entertaining and i agree with like a lot of their points and there was a couple where they made <laughs> big charts to keep track of all the characters in a couple of the movies and i thought that was pretty cool too so anyway part four was the final chapter so paramount wanted to end it and the reason why they wanted to end it is they were, were they were kind of embarrassed and ashamed that they were this big classic studio with a lot of prestige that they were chur churning out these schlocky grindhousey almost kind of horror movies these slasher films that had like no critical value basically no, no critics liked them and they, they were just, they were, yeah, they were basically ashamed of them. So they wanted to just, we're just going to stop, stop this, stop making them. And so they wanted to get out of the business of making them. So they said, part four is going to be the last one. They sold it to the original director. They said, you know, come on back. I don't know if it was the original director or not, but, you know, uh, they got Tom Savini back to do the effects. And in fact, he imbues one of the characters, uh, Tommy Jarvis, played by Corey Feldman. Funny thing too, that character's in three different movies, uh, four, five, and six. So that's one of the, that's the only other character I can think of that outside of the survival girl getting killed in the second, the second film in the franchise as revenge from Jason for killing her mother, killing his mother. He's the only character I can think that also spans multiple films. And he's got like a little bit of an arc. Which is also kind of interesting, but at any rate, he imbues Tommy Jarvis with um, characteristics of himself. So he's a he makes movie props kind of and masks, and they're super realistic. And I feel like he just brought his own Tom Savini just brought his own stuff from. He's like, hey, we're just gonna bring everything out, like just raid your closet at home and bring a whole bunch of stuff in and i feel like that's kind of what he did which is again i kind of got this idea from that video that the review guys at any rate they brought all the guy they brought everybody back and it was a very it was very much a final ending because again jason was very much human here and they killed he basically gets his machete right through his head and he's dead dead so because they hyped it up as being the last one and because a lot of people were fans of the franchise, it made a whole bunch of money on a small budget as these movies tend to do, right? They're cheap to make and they make money and Paramount made so much money. They're like, Hey, maybe we don't want to stop making these. And so they just kept on going. And I know new lines, I think new lines plans on part, uh, part nine was to, have that as be the final Friday and then have a series of Freddy versus Jason, like kind of fold them into the same universe thing. I think that's what they're thinking was, but you'd have to go Google it. Uh, that's kind of only my theory. So in, in addition to that, there's, so I mentioned that the remake came in 2009 and there hasn't been anything new since then. 
And the reason for that, there's a legal battle going on between former directors and, like, I think maybe writers. And they're just battling over uh, the movie rights and and profit-sharing rights and stuff. So, it's like, it's this big legal battle that's been held up in court. Apparently, the decision's supposed to come soon, but who knows? Uh, and then maybe they'll appeal and somebody will appeal the other. Who knows how long this will get tied up, but... That is the reason why we haven't had anything in 11 years. Because because it's not like the 2009 remake did poorly. I think it did decently. And like I said, I mean, you can make these for cheap and they'll make money. As a lot of horror movies do. Especially seeing as you have an iconic character like Jason in there. And so he'll always have his, his fan base in this. And people will see it and... I think we're going to get more at some point. I just don't know when that's going to be. Another interesting thing involving the this this franchise, and, and it has to do with the legalities of things. So you can't find a complete box set, Blu-ray, DVD, or otherwise, of all the films because Paramount owns the video distribution, the home video distribution rights for one to eight. And New Line owns parts 9 and on. And so if you ever want them, you have to buy them separately in their own sets. Now that's changing. There's a company called Scream Factory that's going to release all of them. I guess they paid both sides rights for it and put it all into one box. They're including a poster and a 4K transfer of the original 1980 version. And it's either coming out or it's out. And I, I haven't checked recently, but, you know, uh, Scream Factory, and if you're interested, I think it's 150 or so American, which means a few hundred Canadian, I think. But if you're a fan of the franchise, it's a limited time offer, and there's not going to be a whole bunch of quantity. So if you're interested in it, that's, that's where you can get that. So talking about it as i mentioned earlier critically speaking so critically a lot of these movies have been panned and i as a very 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 amateur film critic myself i can see why a lot of people would say that they're dumb the plots a lot of the plots don't make sense a lot of the acting is bad it's just kills but at the same time there's a very simple formula to it and it's almost comfort food so a lot of the the reason why I like Jason is because he's a silent killing on top of a machine. Freddy needs to be quippy and he needs to have especially as the series got on and he got went on and he got less and less scary. He started with the one-liners and the jokes and the gags and people have come to expect that from the character. And so I feel like Freddy's lost a lot of mystique as the uh years have passed by. And I simply don't feel like that with Jason because he rises from the dead, kills a whole bunch of people, and they have to find an insane way to try to basically put him down. Or, you know, whether it's putting a chain around his neck and uh, hooked to this big rock and have him floating at the bottom of a uh, of the lake, or sending them to hell, <laughs> or you know, just a whole bunch of different crazy he's just unstoppable and he just keeps coming back and you just can't whereas freddy i find i mean yes you can't get away from him because he's in the in your dreams but he 
I don't know. He, it, I just feel like I said, I just feel like he's there. There are ways around that. And like your fear gives him power. So if you're not afraid, he doesn't have any power. If you can find a way to not dream via drugs, he's rendered powerless. Like there's, a, and then, like I said, he's quippy and funny later on. And he just loses a lot of the fear. And pl- the, also the thing about Freddy is you kind of need Robert Englund to play him. And Robert Englund's getting old. I mean, they tried to have a different guy, a Jackie Earl Haley, play him in the 2012 remake. And the fact that the movie is awful is not really his fault. He, he did a decent job, but people are just tied to Robert Englund more so than Freddy. Like, Robert Englund and Freddy are one and the same to people. Whereas Jason, as I said earlier, he is usually played by stuntmen because he's a masked killer. And like I said, Kane Hodder played him four times, but he's the only one. It's always these big, like, tall, strong-looking stuntmen. And you can just slap anybody in a in a as long as they're big and they have kind of the motion. Although a lot of people, and I myself included, prefer Kane Hodder because of the he he gives him a lot of as much emotion as you could put into Jason, uh, you know, through his body language, which is he was also he was really really good at, which is why a lot of people like him. But yeah, like you can keep turning him out, and nobody's t- people are tied to he he is the character. And Michael Myers is similar to that too, but Michael Myers, uh, the Halloween franchise is not near as entertaining as Friday the 13th in my mind. Uh, Friday the 13th has a very standard formula it pretty much sticks to. It varies here and there, but for the most part, there's no like wasted time with side plot. Not usually, sometimes, but Michael Myers, you get into the occult, uh, you get into... He's not supernatural either. Well, they try and make him supernatural. They try and retcon a lot of his stuff. At first, he was just like... He's just like a psychopath. And he was referred to as a shape even in the first one. And the whole Lori is his his sister thing didn't come into effect until part two. And then his whole family lineage. And then they went all occult on it and... It just got weird, and in fact, the 2018 film uh, was co-written by Danny McBride of Eastbound and Down fame, which (laughs) I didn't think he could write a horror movie, but it's really good. It ignores every sequel because they they couldn't make sense of the timelines. I mean, the timelines in Friday the 13th are crazy, but you can kind of hand wave them away because it's Friday the 13th, whereas in Halloween... If you don't, it just gets super confusing. So they kind of had to do that. And Halloween's got Season and the Witch too. It's just a weaker franchise. And Michael Myers, while is cool, that slasher film is more about tension and less about who's going to get killed and how they're going to get killed, who's going to survive until the end, how are they going to put him down, that type of deal, which is what Friday the 13th is more about. I love Jason. Jason's got an iconic look. And like I said, Kane Hodder... Does a really good job emoting with his body language, the deep breathing, the quick turnarounds. He when he hears a noise that he wants to move towards to kill somebody, he does a very snap turn, and it's very aggressive. And though some of the early uh, Jason earlier Jasons did that too, but he kind of perfected it, I think. And like I said, that very heavy breathing, you can tell 
you can almost, he almost puts a sense of, I take pride in what I do kind of thing into Jason, if that makes any sense. But uh, yeah, I think he does an excellent job of it. And like I said, Jason doesn't need to say anything. He's just intimidating. He's just scary. He's just like, as soon as you see him, even if he's 50 feet away from you, as soon as you catch a glimpse of that, glimpse of that mask, you're like, oh shit. And like, things are about to get going. And every film, I, I start off with the first 20 minutes getting into it, it's like, let's get this party started. <laughs> and every time it's like, yeah, that's just how that's just how that formula works. And, and I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I, Jason's just my favorite. I have a Jason costume even that I go to for Halloween, and it's pretty easy to do because I got a dark pair of pants and like a, some scuffed up old boots and just like a black shirt underneath and like this green kind of army jacket that I got from uh, uh, Value Village that I cut up and put fake, fake blood on, and then of course the mask, and um, that's and then you know a prop machete, like obviously a prop machete, but like this is plastic, but. It's just an easy costume to pull off, and I just I like doing the heavy breathing thing when I'm when I'm playing. It's it, just like Kane Hodder does in the sequels. is pretty cool. So after I've gotten through all that, I'm gonna go into how I kind of rank these films a little bit. Actually, before I do that, I just want just something just popped into my head. Actually, so everybody loves Scream. I think it's personally overrated. But the interesting thing about Scream, and I've been watching a lot of horror movies lately, and especially it's especially true in Friday the 13th. They make fun of characters. They say, when a character says, I'll be right back, don't say that because that means you're not going to come back. It's actually not true. I think it's a false theory that people have, like the whole red shirt thing in Star Trek. If you're a red shirt, you're going to die. People have gone back and watched the original series to see if that's actually the case and they don't die any more often than any other uniform color so it's one of those somebody saw it happen once and kind of or maybe twice and kind of ran with it and i think that holds true here because again watching a lot of horror movies when the character says i'll be right back they almost never die and this has been like this holds true in friday the 13th it holds true in Cabin in the Woods. It holds true in The Prowler. I'm about to watch My Bloody Valentine 3D, but <laughs> a lot of horror movies that I've watched, that actually doesn't happen. In fact, oftentimes, the person that they say, I'll be right back to, is the person that dies. So I just thought I'd like to point that out because I think Scream is super overrated and I think a lot of people love it, but it's not, it's not even the first meta- horror movie that would be Wes Craven's new nightmare which was sort of his test run for Scream where he gets super meta in that one and he goes into how Freddy is just his way of like his way of containing this ancient evil in stories and the actors play them play themselves like Heather Langenkamp plays who plays Nancy she she plays herself and it like they're making a new movie and her husband like does effects for the movie. Robert England plays himself, Wes Craven plays himself. And I think that I think that Friday thirteenth Friday thirteenth. I think that Nightmare on Elm Street episode is that episode, that entry in the series, sorry, is super underrated. I like it a lot, actually. And 
Scream does a lot of things well, but like I said, I, th I think people just overrated a little bit. So now that I've gotten through that, I'm going to rank the rank all the movies. And so what I've done here, I put them into tiers. And this is why this is why I count Freddy versus Jason cuz I have four tiers of three movies each. <laughs> so, nice even number that I could split into their own tiers of what I deem like quality in the franchise. So, just getting started with that in mind, the first tier in terms of quality. Now, these are what I would consider the highest quality, the peak of the franchise. Uh, parts 4 part, and 6 and Jason X. Jason X is my personal favorite. It's my personal favorite because it is so campy and so fun. Uh, Lexa Doig and Lisa Ryder, who were Andro in Andromeda. And in fact, uh, Lexa Doig played the android and Lisa Ryder played the human and they switched the roles up here. Uh, they're awesome. Lexa Doig's character is like she kicks ass from the moment she's introduced till the very end. She's a scientist, but she takes Jason on single handedly. She's just like the most powerful, basically the 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 best character in the film, which is was fantastic. Um, they give her lots to do. She got she's got lot. There's lots of great puns in this. She's got the great line where after Jason gets all, he gets made into quote unquote Uber Jason, like where he gets kind of cybernetic nano machines that make up part of him, and that's also low key great by the way. Uh, maybe not low key great, but it's super great. Where Lisa Ryder, the android. Uh, kills him basically puts a, a bullet in his head and his head like kind of explodes and the they're trying to get off the ship which is which is crumbling around them like it's gonna explode and there was malfunction and then the nano machines let me back up a little bit it's a futuristic earth so uh at the beginning of the movie like Sadoi's character she they want to put uh, Jason in cryo, uh, but the military wants to study him because he can regenerate his parts, right? He can just keep coming back from the dead. She, He takes out a whole bunch of army people, He, uh, but he still ends up in cryo because Lexidoid characters put, puts him in there, but she also gets frozen. And so like far into the future, I think 450 years into the future, and Earth is a desolate husk, it's dead. And this crew of students on a field trip from earth Two, <laughs> they come and take him back to their ship they bring her back to life they think jason's dead but of course he's not and then he runs amok so they do that with these nano machines now there's malfunction as i was saying earlier the nano machines bring jason back to life but they make him into the cybernetic jason and he's way stronger and so that's awesome so there's a point at the end of the movie where we're trying to get off the ship and like it's a race against the clock and Jason's coming through all the doors and stuff. And it's like, Oh, it's like, Oh, what's going on? Like what's happening? Jason fucking Voorhees. That's, you know what I mean? And it's just, she just delivers it so well. And I just like, it's like, Oh, what's the problem? Jason fucking Voorhees. That's what the problem is. And it's like, it's so great. It's such a great line. Little puns. Like one of the main characters, uh, right before she gets sucked into space, it's like, Oh, this sucks on so many levels. It's such a bad, bad joke. Or one of the guys gets, um, Jason kills him and he slides down the drill and they're like, what happened to whatever his name was? And they're like, he screwed. I'm like, that's so awesome. And there's this holodeck thing 
um, this hologram and they to, to buy some time at the end of the movie they they trick him and they bring up like Crystal Lake from 1980 and at first he's a little he's distracted but then he sees through it and then as another diversion they have these they generate these uh, two holographic teenage girls and it's like want to smoke some pot and have some premarital sex and it's so great it's so meta and then there's this good guy character too Brodsky who just who Jason keeps killing but he also keeps coming back like the villain would and and it's just it's such a great entry in the franchise it's got the best kills my personal favorite kill at the beginning where two teenagers are about to have sex and Jason starts to move and then they cut back and forth they so they juxtapose they cut back and forth to the teenagers kissing and they're making out and he starts to stir and then they start to take and he starts to stir some more and then I swear the second the second penetration happens Jason sits right up I'm like it's so great and the, the girl there who's doing an autopsy on him in the room looks back Cece's gone turns around she's all confused he grabs her by the hair and then he 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 puts her face into um liquid nitrogen it looks like her face freezes and then he smashes it against the counter and just throws her to the side like a piece of garbage it's such a great kill and there's so many more great kills in this film and i just i i really do like it a lot it's so much fun it's one of those jason in space that sounds stupid and i'm like yeah it is but they don't take themselves seriously and that's why it's so good and they do a whole bunch of stuff too with Kane Hodder's eyes. Like they focus a lot on his eyes. And like I said, it just gives a lot more, um, I don't want to say like emotion or, you know, like anger and aggressiveness and stuff like that, that to Jason that Kane Hodder just brings to the role. So that's why it's my favorite. I super highly recommend it. It's not for everybody, especially people who like to be scared by horror movies because it's not, I wouldn't say it's scary. It might be if you're not a horror person, but if you are, it's more funny, I think. And I think it's just a really good time. And honestly, these movies are not going to be, you know, they're not going to be prestige films. They're just not. That's not what they're for. They're for you to have a good time with. And if you approach it like that, I think you'll like them. So part four, I was talking about before. Paramount wanted to get out of the business of making them. Tom Savini does the effects. Jason is... There's some good kills in this one, though not super memorable. I can't remember a lot of them. Um, but Corey Feldman's in this one, and he does a pretty good job. And then there's the family dynamic, too. Not just It's him and his mom and his sister. It's not just a bunch of crappy teenagers getting killed. Although that happens, too, but... It adds an extra dynamic to it. And then part six, which was my favorite for a while until Jason X came out. And part six is where, of course, Jason comes back from the dead in a ludicrous opening sequence where um, uh, Tommy Jarvis, played by Tom Matthews, a horror vet. He was in Return of the Living Dead part one and two. Uh, I don't want to say some other ones, but I just can't remember which ones. But those are the two I think he's uh, most known for other than this film. He goes up with Horshack, and if you're old enough, you'll know who Horshack is. He was on this old show, Welcome Back, Cotter, that I saw a lot of in my youth. Because CBC used to play uh, reruns of it that I would watch like after school when there's nothing on TV. Because I'm old and we only got like four or five channels back then. 
But uh, so that's how I know who it is, and he's the first death of the movie. Uh, Tom Matthews' character, Tommy, he puts a weather. He he goes to the graveyard to make sure that Jason is dead, and he puts a weather vane. Like he stabs him with this big. No, it's not a weather vane. It's like a big piece of the cemetery gate. And of course, there's a thunderstorm, and the thunder and the and the lightning comes down and zaps the pole while it's or the piece of the gate while it's stuck into Jason, and of course brings him back to life because that's totally how that works. <laughs> And then he goes on a killing rampage and, you know, Tommy's got a nice arc in this where he has to, you know, he brought Jason back and now he's got a, there's only one way to, to stop him, which is apparently uh, chain him to this big rock so he can be at the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake forever. And uh, there's a big sequence at the end where he does that and he's, you know, he's got a ring of fire going around a canoe and all this kind of stuff. But there's actually kids at the camp for once, which doesn't happen a lot in the franchise. And Jason, while he doesn't kill any of, of them, he definitely threatens them. And there's a few, a couple of cool little gags involving uh, a couple of the kids. And, you know, they got a lot of sass and stuff and they get a lot of good one liners. And, you know, it's actually decently funny. And of course, it's it has the aforementioned uh, Easter egg of Karloff's Diner. There's a, there's a number actually in the film, but I can't remember any uh, besides that one. But there's a number of other ones. And yeah, it's just, it's meta. Uh, there's like uh, one of the things that Cisco, so like this was critically, these movies are critically planned by famously by Siskel and Ebert, which just goes to show the critics aren't always right in terms of taste. But um, they say that basically only horrible people would like this movie because it's just about killing. <laughs> and there's this moment towards the end or towards the middle of the film. So they had dug Jason's uh, body up, and the cemetery caretaker comes by and he sees that it's dug up, and he's like. I don't want to lose my job. So he fills the grave back in. And then, but before he completely fills the grave back in, he looks right at the camera and he, and he says, some people have a funny, uh, sense, some, some people have funny sense of entertainment or something like that. And basically like looking right at the audience saying you're bad for liking this <laughs> because it's a joke. It's, it's the joke of why it was critically panned. And, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so it's got like an, a lot of... Uh, it's got a lot of good humor to it. There's the, the act, a lot of the actors feel natural, except for the deputy. He's terrible. God, he's so bad. The deaths are fun. Jason is menacing. Yeah, it's one of the... It's my second favorite one for a reason. I, I definitely like it a lot. So that's the top tier in terms of quality, in my opinion. Again, this is all subjective. I'm sure people are going to disagree, especially when I get to some of the other ones. So continuing on, uh, the next tier down in quality for me are part nine, Jason Goes to Hell, the 2009 remake, and Freddy vs. Jason. So Freddy vs. Jason, it's very silly, but it's fun. Uh, Jason gets in a number of really good kills, especially at the beginning. It loses some steam as as they get going. Freddy gets way too much offense in for my liking. There's some problematic dialogue. The the acting is decent. Uh, they have 
a Canadian actor. I can't remember his name, but he was on this super like so like this early '90s teen soap opera called Northwood. And if you know, if if you're a fan of that show, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And if you've seen this movie too, I mean, you'll know who I'm talking about because you you would recognize him. I'll just say that he was in um, Dead Man on Campus as well. Uh, which was, he was, he was super, he was just like a super horny college guy in that, which was pretty funny. And he was just nuts. Anyway, uh, so they got him and they've got, uh, Jason Ritter, John Ritter's son. And they've got, I can't remember her name, but she played Lori and, which is an Easter egg in of itself. But, uh, she was in Dawson's Creek for a bit and she died in season one or two or something. And they've got, uh... One of the Destiny Child members, I can't remember her name. They've got the redheaded girl from Ginger Snaps. They've got, I can't, again, like I can't remember. He's a comedic actor and he's been in a whole bunch of stuff and he's one of the ancillary characters. He's kind of a nerd. Uh, he's can't give, there's a funny scene towards the end where they've got to give Jason mouth to mouth and he's like, I can't do it because I got asthma. Again, you'd know it if, you, if you'd seen it before. But it's fun and it's an interesting, there's an interesting kind of story to it. Uh, there's a, definitely a sense of dread. There's a really good reason why Freddy and Jason end up fighting at the end. But the ending is kind of not satisfying because there's no clear winner and they're just clearly setting up to make another one, which they never did because I don't think it did um, super well. They, I think they were looking to make more money than what they did. And yeah, I mean, I don't really have that much more to say about it. The 2009 remake, I've already went over a little bit before. Jared Padalecki, Amanda Rigetti, blonde guy from Party Down. Uh, I think it does a really good job. Kills are good. The story's decent. Again, for a Friday the 13th movie, you're not coming in here looking for anything that's going to blow you away. Uh, I really enjoyed it, especially compared to some of the ones in the next two tiers that I'm going to get to. And yeah, I, I liked it a lot. And I would see another one if, I, I mean, I'll probably see them all regardless of how bad they are. But uh, I would be down for a new line to make another one and maybe give those writers another crack at it or just to kind of see where they go. And maybe if they bring bring him back to being supernatural again or, you know. But uh, yeah, he was, like I said, he was kind of smart in this one. He used the kids for bait. He made traps. He had like um, a warning system, early warning system set up on his property. Floodlights. Like he wasn't the average dumb slasher, which is, which was, you know, I appreciated. Part nine. A lot of people are going to give me crap for this. I know they are because part nine, the final, uh, the final Friday, which it wasn't the final movie. There's a, there's definitely some bad stuff in it. For example, right at the end, the whole uh, Freddy's glove reaching up through it was just teasing for a Freddy vs. Jason movie, which they eventually got to, but not for when they come out in 1993. Yeah, it was a decade later because I think Freddy, J Freddy vs. Jason was 2003. But part nine, it has an, actually an, kind of an interesting story. And I think if it was, I think if it was not a Friday the 13th movie and it was something different, and if you weren't expecting Jason, I think people would like it a lot more. So, essentially what it is, 
and this is cool. Right at the beginning of the movie, uh, Jason gets blown blown up. So they start the movie. Somebody goes out to Crystal Lake cabins. You're like, okay, this person's going to die. Of course, and this is a common theme in a lot of the films, maybe outside of part one, because I don't think I saw a lot or I don't recall it, but there's always uh, full frontal nudity. Not full frontal, but like, there's always boobs. <laughs> in every... Friday the 13th movie, just about, there's boobs. And, you know, of course, so of course she gets naked and you see her boobs, you know. I'm like, okay, she's totally going to die because the final girl never gets naked. But, of course, so of course the lights go out and of course uh, Jason chases her and you think he's going to get her and kill her. But the FBI has set this up as a big fake out and they blow him, they blow him to bits, essentially. So you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. So... This was at the beginning of the movie, so I'm like, okay, so what are they going to do? So I find that interesting. And then they intercut the credits with the autopsy on Jason, which I thought was really cool. Fun fact, uh, Kane Hodder plays one of the security guards at the morgue who gets killed. Who does get killed? Uh, which we'll get to how in a minute. The coroner gets sort of hypnotized when Jason's heart starts beating on its own outside the body and he eats it which is really gross and then he gets possessed by Jason's spirit cuz Jason's like not really he's not really Jason he's sort of an evil being that possesses bodies and he can only so I'm getting ahead of myself so he possesses bodies and he possesses the coroner who kills Kane Hodder's security guard so Jason kind of kills Jason which I thought was pretty cool so, they make up this whole backstory. So, he has... And I know in a lot of the early movies, they say he, uh, Jason was the only child. Somewhere along the way, he has a sister. And so, that's important because only a blood relative can kill Jason or bring him back into his original body. So, this is the whole plot of the movie. And there's this bounty hunter guy who's super cool, by the way. <laughs> Who's played, I, I can't remember the guy's name. He, he, the character's name is Creighton Duke, which is a super cool name. <laughs> and he's been in a bunch of stuff too, I think a lot of horror movies. And the same thing with the corner guy, I've been in a lot of horror movies as well. So, none of the kills in this film are done by actually by Jason. And he only appears in like the mirror, in, in like a reflection. So you see the person he's possessing, and if you look in, if, if, if you see him in the mirror, you'll see Jason. So... It's kind of, there's kind of cat and mouse game where he's trying to find um, his sister who he kills, but then she has a daughter who also has a daughter. And so like he can, then he's trying to get to, you know, those people to try and get reborn to his original body. It's actually an interesting kind of addition to the lore and... Like, how they get to him being reborn into the dead body of his sister is actually kind of makes sense. You're like, well, why didn't he do that early in the movie? Well, there's actually a good reason why he didn't. And nothing... Like, they don't just... Everything doesn't just come up to be coincidental at the end just so they can get from point A to point B. It actually, like, it feels like they actually thought things through. And so, at the end, of course, his niece, I guess she is, ends up killing him and sending him to hell but yeah there's this whole new part of the lore that i thought was pretty interesting and 
it could have easily gone off the rails, but they kept it lean enough uh, to not get overly complex, but at the same time, like add a little bit extra. And I appreciated that because they tried something different. And that's kind of the uh, like a common theme through all the franchise. There's not any, really any rules. Jason has to be in dreams. Uh, Michael Myers sticks around ha- like he's around Halloween. Obviously, Jason's Friday Thirteenth, but like he can be a regular guy. He can be undead. He can go into space. He can be a possessing thing. Like it's like, what are we going to do, do this movie? I'm like, mm, let's have him battle Carrie, <laughs> somebody with like telekinesis. That's part seven. Like, there's no real kind of uh, rules to it. You can just kind of make things. And I think that's, like, pretty neat. So the next tier down, in terms of quality. We're getting to the dregs now. Although, these aren't too bad. I didn't have too much trouble getting through them. And they're entertaining in their own right. And that's parts two, seven, and eight. So, part two is the introduction of Jason. Because part one, his mom was a killer. Spoiler, but, I mean, the movie is... 40 years old so i think i've reached statute of limitations on that one uh but so his mom is a killer he come so jason they say he was alive the whole time they retcon it it's fine it's friday the 13th don't overthink it that type of deal uh i hate his look in this because of the uh, the aforementioned potato sack with one eye cut out and one eye hole i mean cut out it sucks but the kills are actually pretty decent the final girl is quite likable uh, she actually shows sympathy for Jason in like one discussion that they're having while they're at, out at a bar um, talking about, oh, you know, I, he must have seen her die. I don't know how you could reach that conclusion. But so, you know, he's just out there. He doesn't really know like about the outside world. And I, you know, basically she feels bad for him. She's, yeah, she's likable. A common theme for this franchise too, cars never start. I, I do like it when they explain it, like in part three, where uh, this motorcycle gang siphons gas from the van so it won't start. Uh, in that same movie, too, the bridge goes out. Uh, in part two, they establish that her car is um, is kind of a junker, so it gives her trouble all the way through the all the way through the movie. So it's not like it works, it works, it works, and then all of a sudden it doesn't start. <laughs> They establish the fact and, you know, or they can't start the car because the person who had the keys is dead now. Like, things like that. I like it when little touches. So anyway, like, part two is pretty entertaining. Uh, All these movies, almost all these movies have fake out endings, so I didn't really, and I didn't really like that one here, but what are you going to do? Part seven is, it takes a bit to get going, but once it does, I enjoy it. I like the kills. I really appreciate them trying to do something different with uh, having a girl with telekinesis in this. Because uh, she matches up a little bit. And you can see this happening as the, the series goes on. Where the final girls get stronger and stronger. And are able to take them. Actually able to take Jason on. That's no more prevalent than in Jason X in my opinion. Because Lexadoig just is like... Okay, I know what Jason is. Like, let's do this. Let's, like, you know, let's get rid of him, basically. And she's just not... She's scared, and she's fearful for her life. But also, too, she's not afraid to, like, take it right to him. Or just go and and do what has to be done, basically. So, it's a nice progression. And in this one, they gave the girl telekinesis. So that she, she could fight him. 
she electrocutes him uh, by bringing a wire, like uh, pushing him in, like knocking him, o- him over into a puddle. And then she brings an electrical wire down from the electrical pole and electrocutes him. She brings the um, front, the roof of a front porch down on top of him. She lights him on fire. She hangs him with a cord. Like the ending is stupid though, because her father is dead. Like she accidentally kills her father at the beginning of the movie uh, with her telekinesis as a young girl. Uh, So he ends up going to the lake and at the climax, they're at the same dock kind of, and she gets her dad to come up and drag Jason down to the bottom with chains and he looks like he's not decomposed at all it's really dumb it's it's very very dumb another thing too that i find weird in a lot of the movies as soon as they're the the final girls like they survive and as soon as they survive they just hop into a canoe and go into the middle of a lake which is i find just bizarre like I'm not sure why wouldn't you wouldn't just try to maybe hitchhike at a camp or something. I I don't know. It's or like just walk. Or and they just end up waiting in the like this canoe in the middle of the lake for the uh police and the EMTs to get there. It's so weird. Anyway, the ending to 7 brings it down a bit unfortunately. Uh, the one thing that I really really like about this one. So Jason's been chilling out at the bottom of the lake for a while. And they really bring home how decomposed he is so you can see part of his rib. Uh, part of his face, the bone, like the bones in his rib is exposed. The bone in his face is exposed. You can see the back of his spine, and you can actually see his knee joint when he's walking. And it's super, super like cool. Uh, they did a really good job on the makeup for this one, and uh, I really appreciate those little touches. Which brings me to part eight in this in this in this tier. So part eight. Let's get the bad out of the way. Part eight. The makeup is absolutely terrible. All the wear and tear he has in seven, he has none of that in eight. Uh, when he gets his mask off, oh, it's another thing I should say about Seven, actually, before I move on, uh, when he gets his mask taken off, the makeup on his face is really good, his jaw moves, and his, like, his kind of eye sockets, like, as his face moves, it's really good, like, for practical, for a Friday the 13th movie, I should say, so anyway, uh, I want to mention that because it's relevant to Eight, uh, he basically has no face, I mean, she burns him with acid, like, toxic, waste i guess at the end and so he kind of has no face his makeup effects look terrible there's none of that wear and tear the ending is really really stupid um every night at midnight the sewers of new york uh flush toxic waste through them conveniently it's and then and and so jason has chased the two final people down there the final girl and and her boyfriend i guess kind of anyway the two final people down there and then in the sewers and then he gets trapped in the sludge in the toxic waste and then turns back into him as a boy who looks normal. It's so, it's weird. It comes out of nowhere and it's kind of dumb. And the biggest uh, sin that part eight commits is it calls itself Friday the 13th part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Jason is in Manhattan for maybe a half an hour. (laughs) at the end of the movie and it's vancouver and it's the most unrealistic version of new york city i've ever seen like there's like back alleys everywhere it's so sleazy and slimy 
there's open barrels of toxic waste and randomly in an alley they get mugged like and he doesn't i think he might kill one person he gets on a train with a whole bunch of people and leaves them alone like he like he knocks over a boombox of this like these this punk gang and they're like hey like like basically you know you looking for trouble and then he turns around and just pops his face mask up and that's it like he doesn't kill like why like none of this makes any sense it's it's so weird and bizarre so now the good about it which is what puts us in this tier above the other ones it's memorable because of the parts partially because of the title and you're waiting for them to get to new york even if they do jerky around with it a bit oh yeah the beginning too it makes no sense another negative i guess uh he's on a boat in the lake and then suddenly he ends up in the sea <laughs> and gets which brings me to kind of the good but segue into a good part but i guess all lakes lead to the ocean but they would have to have a bit, pretty big river that connects for this boat to get there and for him to get to the cruise ship that he ends up getting on which is it doesn't make any sense like again it's one of those it's friday the 13th don't overthink, don't overthink it so you can kind of hand wave it away a little bit because it leads to the best part of the movie. These uh, high school kids, they've just graduated and they're on this cruise ship. They're going to go to New York. And it's a nice it's a nice switch up from the regular Camp Crystal Lake that he keeps coming back to in all the rest of the films. So the change of location is nice. It's kind of claustrophobic. Like the inside of the ship looks pretty small. Even the like dance floor that they have their dance on at the beginning where they're celebrating like the ceiling is barely higher than a lot of the kids are tall (laughs) so it's it feels cramped there's nowhere really for you to run away from him even though and they eventually the ship ends up eventually catching on fire and they take a lifeboat and they get away from that way but then he follows them somehow i don't know if he walks on the ocean floor which again friday the 13th don't overthink it but the cruise ship is easily the best part of this the kills are are really good he kills he puts a hole in this one girl's head with a guitar it's pretty good he got the earlier the earliest like an early kind of version of reality tv guy walking around with this giant handheld video camera by the way and he's just like yeah, I gotta get, like, the drama and stuff. And it's, like, that's basically kind of what that is, at least. You could you could, you could could stretch it to, to sort of be an earlier take on that, but it's not really. I mean, it's just kind of entertaining. And the characters are, that are supposed to be obnoxious are super obnoxious, and you want to see them die, and they do. And, yeah, like, I mean, the final girl is actually decently likable. And yeah, there's there's a bunch to enjoy and it's too bad it's saddled by a whole bunch of crap at the beginning of end and ending. And the whole New York thing was just a huge misstep. Now we get down into the lowest tier and these are the movies that I would consider they range from bad to I literally don't remember anything about them even though I watched them this past week. <laughs> So I'll start with part one and I know this is going to ruffle some feathers because people, a lot of people regard part one as a classic. I have, uh, an aunt who remembers part one super fondly and she thinks it's like the rest of them are kind of stupid, but part one is 
a good slasher movie, I would disagree. It is an absolute slog. It takes forever to get going. Um, it takes forever for someone to die. There's body count. I mean, the body count being low is fine if you do tension, but the whole my 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 two biggest problems. Problem number one. The the its hook is the reveal. So if you know who the killer is, and I don't know how you wouldn't if you like horror movies at all, you would know that it's Pamela Voorhees is the killer. That's its hook. If you know that is who that is, there's not much meat on this bone. And it really takes away from like going in, I knew who the killer was, and I'm like, can we just get to this already? Like it's just they they just stretch it out far too long. There's too much in this movie where it lingers and it's mundane people doing mundane tasks like brushing their teeth or like driving or eating or making food or they play strip monopoly. It's just there's too much. It's like we got to pad the runtime and it's like no more apparent than in this film. Also another part of the the who's the killer thing and not necessarily knowing who it is, but they milk. I hate it when movies do the POV killer badly. So in Halloween, it works because it's there to elevate tension. You know it's Michael Myers. Like, who else is it going to be? Uh, but they do a lot of POV to make it more terrifying. It's the breathing through the mask. It's uh, people not realizing his, he's there. You, you're kind of into it almost puts you into his state of mind or his head or whatever as much as you know you can get into the head of a killer but it's much better than that i hate it when movies use that gag to just hide the identity and that's all it is here they did this in happy birthday to me another crappy slasher movie from the 80s where they they didn't know who the killer was and people say like oh it's you nobody talks like that you would say, oh, hey, Joe, what are you doing out in the rain? It's like, oh, hi, what are you doing out in this rain? And it's like, no, no, oh, it's you. Or, you know, they just, yeah, they. It's I hate that. I hate it so much. And they do it here because they just, they want to hide the identity. And it just, it doesn't work for me at all. And I just find it a slog to get through. And now for my second biggest part of uh, problem with this movie, The Killer. The killer is a 40 or I want to. So she was Jason's mom and see, he was born in the fifties to do the math. She's in her fifties at this point, forties or fifties. So she's a 40 to 50 year old, uh, woman. And I'm, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but she's like five, six and maybe a buck 40. Like as far as killers go and what they were, she, she's just not threatening. And what they were going for here is that anybody can be a killer. Anybody can be a um, a psychopath. Basically, it's a ripoff of Psycho. <laughs> and you can tell by the music because the music copies Psycho a lot. Um, with the very sharp violin um, screeching, you know. And uh, like the, the killer is, again, because the killer in Psycho is, it seems like a regular person except they kill people. But in that movie, it's played a lot more seriously. Well, so was this, I guess. But that movie is directed... I mean, it's Alfred Hitchcock. The man know, knew what he was doing. Say what you want about him, but he knew what he was doing. And he crafted he crafted that film where 
yeah, anybody can be a psycho. So they're trying to kind of rip off that concept and it just does not work. You don't, like you haven't, I don't think you meet this character. No, you don't meet this character. See, here's the thing, right? You don't meet, you don't even see her face until, I don't think, and this is how freaking forgettable this thing was, until the end where, oh, hi, I'm Mrs. Voorhees. I used to work here. I used to prep the food. And I'm like, great. Maybe you could have told me that earlier in the film and introduced this character. Like, you didn't know who the killer was in Prowler, which is a bad film too. But at least they go out of their way to try to um, throw you red herrings here and there of who the Prowler could be. Um, and they introduce you to the character right at the beginning who ends up being the Prowler. Again, this is 1980s, so the spoiler, it's, a sh- it's the sheriff the whole time. It doesn't make any sense, and they don't actually ever explain it, so it's terrible that way. But at least... You're wondering who it is, and it's like, oh, I wonder if it's... This guy showed up randomly here. I wonder if it's him, or I wonder if it's the guy who was being creepy at the beginning, or is it, like, the super old guy? Like, is he pretending to be in a wheelchair? Which they also never get back to. This is... It, Prowler's a bad movie. Anyway, they did the 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 who who's the killer gag and, like, who's the killer trope in that movie a lot better than they do it in this. And like I said, I mean... She's not that threatening. Like, Jason, even when Jason's a regular human being and he'd be killed, he's still a big, strong dude. Like, it takes a lot to bring him down. You have to, because he's just got so much adrenaline and he's got so much strength and and so much will to, like, he's just so hell-bent on killing everyone. It takes a lot, and he uses, I mean, he doesn't often need to use, he uses surprise because, He'll take them out one by one. It's like, you know, it's part of the series. That's how he kills people. But like, she has, the Pamela Voorhees has to do that because there's no way that she could take out a lot of the people she takes out unless she would surprise them. And like, oh, like you're an older woman. I don't expect you to be a killer. And then she gets the drop on them. She just can't overpower them. So when they get to the end and reveal her and the final girl is there and I'm like, why are like I get why you're frightened everybody's dead and I get it's 1980 and I get we haven't had another 11 of these movies but there's one scene where she Pamela Voorhees comes at the final girl and she picks up a fire poker and she hits her in the back and she goes down I'm like just keep beating her and then the movie's over see your killer shouldn't it shouldn't be like that your killer shouldn't be able to I'm like if you just kept you could avoid avoided hiding from her. You could avoid avoided decapitating her in the end. Just keep beating her with the fire poker. And, like, you can take her down easy. Like, I mean, there's another one, too. There's another scene later on where she gets pushed down to the floor somehow. And she hits her head real bad. And there's blood coming out of it. And then she ends up getting up, sure. But I'm like, she outweighed, like, she outweighed the final girl by, like, 20 pounds, maybe. Maybe 30. I'm like, and you're taller. And you're younger. And you're probably small, stronger. So, how was this? Thre- how was the end of this film threatening at all? Like, I just, I, I did not like it. I didn't like it. You can have women killers. That's fine. In fact, one of the later Scream movies did it. And they did it much, much, much better. But I didn't buy it. And I wasn't, like, 
I know how all these end anyway, like the last one's going to get away, but I was never, there was no tension. It was, there was zero tension at the end of this film because I'm like, she's a five, five foot six grandma, just beat her to death. Like there's nothing here. And I feel very passionate about this. It's a wonder that any of them, any more of them got made. And it's not surprising that they switched to killer up to be Jason. Because, good lord, this was not... This had zero tension. None. Zero, zero, zero. Okay, there we go. End of rant. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I... Yeah. I just... It's bad. I don't like it at all. Uh, and that's why, to me, part one is the worst Friday the 13th movie. <sighs> there we go. I've got that out of my system. Uh, next, uh, part three. Part three is in this tier because it's forgettable. Uh, admittedly, I saw that it's one of the first ones I watched, but I don't know why. Uh, I think I just hadn't seen it in a while, and I forgot it. And I've forgotten it again because it is super forgettable. Other than Jason getting his mask uh, halfway through, the characters are largely forgettable. The final girl, I couldn't even tell you what her hair color was. It's so utterly forgettable. Yeah, and that's all I can really say about it. I don't, just don't remember it. <laughs> and I watched it six days ago so that's why it's here you just don't remember anything about it and i'm bound to have one of those and then there's part five uh part five is sleazier and slimier and more grindhousey than the rest of the franchise combined uh i uh, again i got this from the youtube video the review guys doing uh talking about them but Apparently, the guy who directed this directed a lot of, like, sleazy kind of sexploitation films in the 80s. And the people are stereotypes jacked up to 11 in this movie. Uh, there's the rednecks who are so rednecky, it's not even funny. They're coated in dirt the whole movie. Every second word is fuck or some other curse word. Like, and and the son is dumb as a post. He's so stupid. You, you're just like, I can't wait for Jason to kill them because they're so annoying. Uh, they keep int- introducing people and introducing people, like, and introducing people throughout the movie just so they can die again and again and again. Like, you shouldn't be 45 minutes or, or almost an hour into a movie and keep introducing new characters. It's just like... Even for a Friday 13 movie, that just doesn't work. The character of Tommy Jarvis is in this, but he's uh, in a mental hospital because obviously the traumatic thing that happened to him in part four has affected his adult life. He's on medication and stuff. He basically has nothing to do with the ending. He kind of does, but he doesn't. He disappears for long amounts of time. A lot of character deaths also happen off screen, which... Why would you do that in a Friday the 13th movie? It's because it's too crowded, really. Yeah, I didn't like it. His character arc is much better in part six. There's... Now, I don't mind seeing boobs <laughs> because I'm a man. I like it. But there... Every... Almost every female character in this movie gets naked at some point. Even the final girl is fighting Jason in a see-through white blouse in the rain with no bra on. <laughs> And and one of the EMTs, so like early in the movie, because, you know, there's a whole bunch of crazy teenagers around, one one of the kids and the actor is playing him as the 
person being slow and it's like oh it reminded me of tropic thunder was like you don't go full retard <laughs> sorry about that using that word but that's what they say in the movie but yeah i mean like ooh, what are you doing uh but um he gets killed by another crazy person and one of the other crazy kids who's got rage issues and then emts come and one of them the kids like the the blanket they they take the blanket off like the sheet the white sheet that they usually cover cover the dead bodies with the movies and so the kids can see the guy with a missing arm and like a big knife on his back for some reason and then the kids get all like oh my god uh and then when the emts who's chewing gum blows a bubble and goes bunch of pussies and it's like no one like no nobody nobody talks like this sorry like nobody would ever it's just so unrealistic and it takes you out of the movie the dialogue the way people act and more so than any film in the franchise it kind of just takes you out of it and also too jason's not actually in it i mentioned the kid gets killed at the beginning and one of the EMTs is actually secretly his father and so he dresses up as jason and kills people because he loses his mind but he's trying to make it seem like jason did it for some reason so he puts on a rubber mask with a hockey mask over it which i can't imagine would imagine would be easy to breathe out of and yeah it makes absolutely no sense none at all and the ending is also stupid like they basically imply that tommy jarvis is now going to become jason and they have them him put on the mask which just so happens to be in the drawer right beside him for some coincidental reason that nobody goes into and he puts it on and then he looks like he's gonna kill or maybe he does kill i don't know i kind of tuned out <laughs> what the survivor the final girl so it was insinuated he was going to become jason and take up the mantle they did not go that way because it's dumb and they go out of their way to forget that movie happened and tell you in the title of part six they say jason lives for sure for realsies this time it is jason guys we promise we're not going to dick you around and since i knew what happened it was one of those things too where it's like can we get get to this dumbass reveal and the first time i i saw it in fact i didn't know who he was they he dies and his the jason rubber mask he's wearing coincidentally gets ripped apart so you can see his full face after he falls onto this spiky break machine th- i don't know what it is anyway it doesn't matter it's conveniently placed below the barn which for whatever reason after like in parts two three four and five and no not so much six but anyway for a few parts there they always ended up in a barn anyway it's just an aside but uh you can see his face and i'm like wait what what's going on even they explain it at the end like i'm looking at him like who is this guy like what is going like what and and the sheriff of course comes and explains it to the final girl like you know like like if you're running you know a police investigation investigating a whole bunch of deaths like you would totally do tell somebody who was involved in it. it's like yeah so here's what happened uh no you'd find out later it doesn't matter it's friday the 13th don't overthink it but 
which is a common theme when I'm watching these movies too, by the way. But uh, yeah, and they explain that, and I'm like, wait, what? This what? And the cop says too. He even says he's like, I, yeah. Apparently, this kid was his son the whole time. Lord knows why he kept it from everybody. And I'm like, I know. It would be nice if you had some sort of explanation. Five is pretty bad, folks. Um, yeah. So, with all that in mind, if I was ha- going to recommend a Friday the 13th movie to somebody, brand new coming into it, maybe part four, maybe part six. Uh, Jason X is for the, I think, for the long-term fans, even though it's my favorite. It's more like the long-term fans of the franchise. 2009 remake it wouldn't be a bad place to start either for the love of everything sacred do not introduce them to friday the 13th with part one it is a bad freaking movie and it's oh it's awful and you don't get jason yeah it's it's bad 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 it's a boring slog of the movie of a movie and in fact when i was re-watching all of these it was the first time that I'd ever made it all the way through because I usually fell asleep during it because it's so freaking boring. Ugh, it's so bad. Anyway, you yeah, and then, you know, you can kind of... Bran- but the point is, for part four, part six, maybe the 2009 remake, and you kind of branch your way out through them uh, depending on what their taste is, what they kind of like to see. There's some good and bad parts to most of these films. And like I said, if you're... They're here because they're comfort food. You can just sit down... And turn your brain off. You don't really need to think about stuff. In fact, it's better if you don't in parts of these. Because some of them are just stupid. And sometimes the way things happen, it's it's like, wow, that's so <laughs> unrealistic. Or so unnatural. Or so, like, wait a minute. And they're like, oh, wait. I, I said to myself very often, it's Friday the 13th. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Because it'll ruin your enjoyment. It really will. But... If you're just looking for fun, if you're looking for, if you're looking to be entertained, if you're looking uh, to see, hey, that's a cool kill. I wonder how they did that. Or, you know, just looking for something that you can sit and watch a bunch of people make fun of, quite frankly. I mean, I don't take it that seriously. I do like them, but I was making fun of a lot of it myself when I was watching them because they're stupid fun, right? And that's why a lot. That's what a lot of uh, horror franchises are like. So, especially as they get into a lot of the later uh, movies in the series, like especially Halloween, got really dumb. And I mean, the joke is that they always go into space. Although Halloween, they didn't go into space, and I did same thing in Nightmare on Elm Street. But in Hellraiser, they go into space. In Leprechaun, they go into space. In Friday the Thirteenth, they go into space. So you know. <laughs> And Zombies in Space, I'm sure, has been done, maybe. I'm sure it's been done. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you're if you're looking for a good, a fun time, something you don't really have to think about, you can just sit down, be entertained, by all the cool kills, watch Jason do his thing. Yeah, I mean, like or like a, a uh, horror movie franchise killer do his thing. You know, you could do a lot worse, I think, than Friday the 13th, like The Prowler. It's bad. Don't, don't, don't bother. It's... All the kills are good, like I said, but yeah. So, like I said, I highly recommend 4 and 6 just to start and then branch out from there. I love Jason X. It's not for everybody, but I love its campiness and it's so much fun. So, with all that said, thanks for joining us this week. Please like, comment, subscribe if you're able. 
rate the podcast wherever you listen, or if there's something you really want to talk about, email me at conferculture at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-F-E-R-C-U-L-T-U-R-E at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Chris Murphy, and this has been Confer Culture. Thank you.